So we have learned that God exists, and we understand that God can be known. That's from our first two podcasts. And both of those answer the atheist and the agnostic. So that brings us to our next two questions. What is God like? If he exists and we can know him, what is he like? And the second question is, can we even understand as humans what God is like? Do human beings have the capability to understand God even if he explained himself to us? So these are our next two questions. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, where we look at the great doctrines of the Christian faith in a systematic theology-type course on the university level. And today we'll be talking about knowing God or what God is like, and, and once we do know Him, understanding some of His character. You might remember in Exodus chapter 3, Moses was sent to Pharaoh, and Moses asked God the question, whenever I get there, whom do I say, who do I say sent me? And God responded by saying, tell them I am that I am sent you. That's God's name, the great I am. Well, Israel then began to know God in different ways through a relationship with him, and they called him Yahweh, of course, uh, the, the great I am. During the second temple period, that's the temple rebuilt by Nehemiah when he returned to the homeland in Ezra and, and whenever Zerubbabel, when they rebuilt the temple. From that period on until 70 AD when Titus destroyed the temple, during that period, the Jews thought the name Yahweh was too holy to mention, so even, even come across their lips. And so they changed his name to Adonai, which meant Lord. So they began calling God that name. In the Bible, a person's name is a descriptive, is, is description of his or her character. So the names of God in Scripture are various descriptions of his character. So in a broad sense, God's name is equal to all that the Bible tells us about God. So, whenever we pray, like the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying that people would speak about God in a way that is honoring to Him and accurately reflects His character. This honoring of God's name can be done with actions as, as well as words, because our actions reflect the character of the Creator whom we serve. To honor God's name, therefore, is to honor God. You know the commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is a commandment not to dishonor God's reputation, either by words that speak of Him as, as foolish or in a misleading way, or by actions that do not reflect his true character as well. So, the Bible then gives us many different names of God in trying to describe to us what God is like. 
Many of those names are taken from our human experience or from our human emotions. And that's a way to describe parts of God's character to us so human beings can understand what an infinite, almighty, holy God is really like. Because if you stop and think about it, we are finite, we are limited. God is unlimited. He is infinite. So how in the world can the finite understand the infinite? How can the limited understand the unlimited? So God has to have ways then of communicating to us just so we can understand what he is like. So in a sense, all of these expressions of God's character that speak in terms of things that are found in the universe, those are names of God because they tell us something true about him. Let me give you some examples. There's an old book by Herman Bavink entitled The Doctrine of God, written in 1951. And in this book, Bavink gives a long list of descriptions of God that are taken from creation. For example, God is compared to a lion. He is compared to an eagle. He is compared to a lamb. Uh, he's compared to a hen. To the sun in Psalm 84. He is referred to as the morning star. He is referred to as a light. Revelation 21, God is referred to as a torch. Hebrews 12, 29, he's referred to as a fire. Psalm 36, he is referred to as a fountain. Deuteronomy 32, he is referred to as a rock. Psalm 119, God is called a hiding place. Proverbs 18, God is called a tower. Psalm 39, verse 11, God is called a moth. Psalm 91, God is called a shadow. Psalm 84, God is called a shield. Revelation 21, God is called a temple. And, and so forth. And so you see from creation itself, God is described in, in many different ways, and he's called many different things. And all of these are designed to help you and I understand what that God is like. Now, let's go a little further. Bavink says, now human experience describes what God is like from Scripture. For example, God is called a bridegroom in Isaiah 61. God is called a husband in Isaiah 54. God is called a father in Deuteronomy 32. God is called a judge and a king in Isaiah 33. He's called a man of war in Exodus 15. God is called a builder and a maker in Hebrews 11. He's called a shepherd in Psalm 23, a physician in Exodus 15, and, and so forth. So we see from our human experience then that God in the Bible is described in terms we can understand. Furthermore, God is then spoken of in terms of human actions that we can know. 
For example, Genesis 18 tells us that God is knowing. Genesis 8 tells us that God remembers. Genesis 1.10 tells us God sees. Exodus 2 tells us God hears. Genesis 8.21 tells us God smells. Psalm 11 says God tests. Psalm 9 says God sits down. Psalm 68 says God rises up. Leviticus 26 says God walks. Isaiah 25, 8 says God wipes away tears. And so you have all of these human actions that tell us a little more of what God is like so we can understand. And then you have human emotions that are attributed to God, such as joy in Isaiah 62, grief in Psalm 78, anger in Jeremiah 7, love in John 3.16, hatred in Deuteronomy 6.16, wrath in Psalm chapter 2. And so you see even human emotions that are described throughout Scripture, again, trying to give human beings a concept of what our Creator is like. Now, God does not have a physical body. Jesus made that clear in John 4, 24, whenever he tells us God is spirit, and whoever worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God does not have a physical body, but the Bible describes various parts of the human body to describe God's actions in a metaphorical way. Let me give you an example. Scripture talks about God speaking, or rather uh, God's face or God's countenance in Exodus 33. Psalm 11 tells us about God's eyes. Psalm 11.4 tells us about God's eyelids. Psalm 55 says, talks about God's ears. And Deuteronomy 33.10 talks about God's nose. And Deuteronomy 8 talks about God's mouth, and Job 11 talks about God's lips, and Isaiah 30 talks about God's tongue, and Jeremiah 18 talks about God's neck, and Exodus 15 about his arms, and Numbers 11 about his hand, and Exodus 8 about his fingers, Isaiah 66 about his feet, Genesis 6-6 about his heart. And so God, being a spirit, does not have all of these human characteristics. But the Bible describes God like that so we can, as humans, get a sense of who he is and what he is like. Well, even describing personal characteristics such as good and merciful and gracious and righteous and holy and just and all of those these are, these are things that are familiar to us as humans. And so the Bible gives these descriptions of God so finite minds can understand the infinite God. Now, let me state three reasons why we must list these characteristics so we can understand God. Three reasons why we must do that. And then we will close for today. 
The first reason I believe that we need these types of descriptions for us to understand God is because all of creation reveals something about God to us. Everything in creation tells us about our Creator. And that the higher creation, God Himself, is revealed more fully to those of us like human beings who are made in His image and have the desire to know what our Creator's like. So that's the first reason I believe it's important for us to understand what our Creator's like and how we can know what God is like. The second reason for going through this exercise, I believe, is that, that to show us that all we know about God from Scripture comes to us in terms that we can understand because they describe events or things common to human experience. Now, if in systematic theology classes, at this point, I would begin talking about anthropomorphic language. The Bible uses anthropomorphic language to describe God. That is language that speaks of God in human terms, even though he's not a human. It describes God in human terms so we can understand him. The word anthropomorphic is coming from two Greek words, anthropos meaning man, morphe meaning form. So anthropomorphic is simply God being described in human form or in human terms. Now, C.S. Lewis, you might remember, in, in those of you who have read C.S. Lewis, at this point, he describes God making himself known to us much in the same sense of how you would feel in trying to relate to a slug or a snail. Well, you are much more highly developed than a snail. Now, snails, according to research, they have memories and they, they can smell and they can, it only takes two brain cells for them to make a decision. And so human beings are much more advanced than a snail or a slug. And so C.S. Lewis said, how would you feel if you were trying to make yourself known as a human made in God's image to a snail? And so that is something like God trying to explain to us what he is like. And the route that he chose to tell us these things of what he's like is through anthropomorphic language. Describing to us in human terms, we can understand what he is like. Even though he's spirit, he doesn't have these things but he describes them in ways we can understand. He describes himself with human emotions or human roles that we take on as husband or, or our father, and, and, and that, that way we can understand something of what God is like. Now, this anthropomorphic language that God, God uses through Scripture, this has troubled some people. I, it doesn't trouble me, and I don't think it should trouble you. This fact does not mean that Scripture gives us wrong information about God or misleading ideas about God. 
It's simply the way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us in a true and an accurate way. Yes, we should use caution in carrying these analogies too far, but I believe that still we're told true attributes and characteristics of God even by him using anthropomorphic language. Let me give you an example. Example, we have an idea of love from human experience, right? That helps us understand what the Bible means when it says God is love. But our understanding of the meaning of love when applied to God is not identical with our experience of love in human relationships. God's love is so much greater than our love, so the Bible gives us a different word, agape love, self-giving love. But just the fact that we as humans are capable of loving tells us something about what God is like in that he is loving. So the anthropomorphic language that we use about God is true. It's not false. It's true. But it gives us something of an idea of what an infinite God is like that is relayed to our finite minds. Now, third and final reason I believe it's important to use such language in allowing us to understand what God is like The third reason points out the great diversity of description about God that's taken from human experience and from our natural world. This language should remind us that God made the universe so the universe would show forth the excellence of his character, that it would show forth his glory. God is worthy to receive glory because he created all things. That's what Revelation 4.11 tells us. God created all things, so therefore all things should honor him and give him glory. Let me read a portion of Psalm 148. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord from the earth you great sea creatures and all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfill his word. Mountains and all the hills and the fruit trees and all the cedar trees, kings of the earth, peoples of the earth, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted and his majesty is above heaven and earth. Wow, how powerful. What is God like? Well, all of creation screams to us what God is like. Yes, God exists. Yes, God can be known. And yes, the Bible tells us in human terms what this God is like. And it tells us in terms that are anthropomorphic so we can understand it and get a grasp as limited, finite creatures of what an unlimited, infinite God is like. Well, the whole earth is full of his glory, according to Isaiah 6, verse 3. 
You know, one final thought, I think that it must be remembered that although all of Scripture tells us, all that tells us about God is true, what it communicates to us of God is not exhaustive. The Bible does not tell us everything about God's character. God's even greater than the Bible tells us. And so we will never know God's full or completeness in the sense that we will never understand God's character exhaustively. We'll never know all that there is to know about God. We, we, we never will. And so for this reason, some theologians have sometimes said, God has many names, yet God has no name. God has many names in that we have many descriptions of his character from the Bible, but God has no name in that we will never be able to understand or describe fully all of his character and what that means to us. So, yes, we can know God. Yes, God exists. We've seen that. And yes, we can know, in a sense, what God is like. In the following podcast, we're going to look in a little more detail at the attributes and the characteristics of God, and we'll spend a few podcasts looking at these. I believe we'll not do it exhaustively. It would, take, it would take many podcasts to do it exhaustively. So we'll look just in a general sense in the next few podcasts at some of the attributes and the characteristics that God possesses, because it's so important to know that, yes, God exists, yes, He can be known, and since he's revealed himself to us, let's look at some of the characteristics that he has revealed. So we'll start looking a little more in depth at some of those beginning in the next podcast. Hope that you'll join us during that time. God bless you. We'll see you next week.